Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the youth missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And welcome back to the podcast, everybody, for this uh, week leading up to Sunday, January 23rd. That's the third Sunday after the Epiphany, which is technically ordinary time mm-hmm. for everyone thinking about their liturgical colors. It's green. Uh, and uh, we welcome you all back to our gospel discussion for this uh, upcoming week. Uh, and it's just Charlotte and I today. It is. Again, appropriately distanced in studio. That's right. Uh, live with you uh, today. Uh, So we are so glad for you all to be back with us. And before we get into our gospel discussion, we, like every week, want to check in uh, with one another and specifically today with Charlotte about where she saw God this past week. Well, and David, it actually kind of goes a little bit with what you just said when you said safely back in studio, because I think for me, my God sighting this week is more a place where I felt the Holy Spirit moving Um, both in my professional life, my ministry, and in my personal life. And it's really easy to get overwhelmed with the sticky complicatedness that continues to just be part of our life, the roller coaster, right? The up and the down and, and the uncertainty that all of us, I'm sure, are a little bit exhausted by riding on at this point. Someone let me off the roller coaster. But in all of that, what I am seeing at this point is this deep need from everyone that I'm in contact with to find ways to creatively and safely maintain connection. And that feels like such a Holy Spirit thing to me, right? Um, Because things are complicated and messy and hard and exhausting and all of those things. But what has become paramount to so many of us is maintaining our connection with each other. And finding a way to safely do that, to respect each person's comfort and boundaries and health, and to still see their face, to still see God in them, to still provide support and connection. And I've just seen it everywhere this week. It has happened over and over and over again to me. And it's almost like this golden thread that has weaved or blown Holy Spirit wise through like all of my encounters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so hard right now mm-hmm. to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little heavy, David. <laughs> it's true. I mean, like, I don't know. I just feel like I... It's hard. One thing that's hard for me right now is that I feel like everything is supposed to be getting better, and it's it's actually not, and I keep telling myself that it is better, but in reality, it's just like it has been for the last two years, and, like, that's really hard. Right. And so... As much like compassion as we can have for one another is great. And also that kind of compassion that we can have for ourselves in the midst of this moment, mm-hmm. you know, is like whatever has been, whatever like messages we have been receiving about how it's like really hard and, you know, you can't be as like creative or productive or whatever because we're like stressed out and anxious about COVID still. Like we need to keep telling ourselves that because that's still happening. Yeah. You know, like. I don't know. Well, and we had this great conversation at Christ Church yesterday in our staff meeting, um, which is what are you doing right now to ground yourself? Like that was just our check in is what is what are you doing right now to ground yourself? And 
mine is that I get up and I go for a walk every morning. Mm-hmm. It is literally, I, there's that question, you know, what, what saves your life right now? For me, it's that I go for a walk every single morning. Yeah. I get up, I take my two dogs and my husband and I go out and I pound the pavement mm-hmm. for 45 minutes. We talk about things or we don't talk about things. You know, mm-hmm. everybody does their business. It's of the four-legged variety. And <laughs> I get home and no matter what else the day holds, the ups, the downs, the complications, the questions, the uncertainty, um, sometimes the creativity, not always, but sometimes mm-hmm. I know that in the morning I have gone out and walked my dogs mm-hmm. and that's, that's what grounds me right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's a great question for everybody listening. What grounds you? What practices do you have to, to just help you stay grounded, to help you like calm your mind, your heart, you know, in the, in a moment when just everything is just this flurry of decisions and hard times of life you know like what what is it that's that's keeping you grounded you know in your vocation or your, in your family in the present in the moment um and like always we would love to hear your uh, god sighting we also would always love to hear your questions or comments or stories from your week from your week of faith discussion we also always want to hear from you now that we have our website back up and running again and, the, and our new resources launched like how are you using the resources you know, what's, what's it like having discussions with your family? What resources are you using the most? Do you have any responses to any of the resources or the questions or the ideas and the resources? We'd love to hear from you. Um, you can always email us, faith to go at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website, myfaith2go.org. You can uh, contact us or follow us, tag us, instant message us on Instagram at faith to go And you can also call in and leave a voicemail. At 562-384-7638, that's 562-FTG-POD-8. And all of those uh, ways of getting in contact with us are in the description of this episode right now. Mm-hmm. So if you're on your phone, you could scroll down um, the email, the website, everything, myfaithtogo.org, uh, the number. It's all there. We'd love to hear from you with whatever you'd like to tell us, questions, comments, stories, just anything. Uh, and now we're going to get into the gospel like we've been talking about for this upcoming week, the third Sunday after Epiphany. Uh, Charlotte is going to read it, and then we're each going to have a point to discuss. The gospel is Luke 4, verses 14 to 21. Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind. Let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All right. So here we are, uh, Luke chapter 4, back into Luke's gospel from our brief foray into John last week. And uh, this is year C of the lectionary cycle, so we're in Luke's year, so that's why we're in... That's why we're in the Gospel of Luke today. 
And this is Luke chapter 4, and it's the second half of Luke chapter 4. And the first half of Luke chapter 4 is uh, Jesus' temptation in the wilderness right after his baptism. And then this is the very first thing that happens after that. So Jesus is going right from baptism by John out into the desert back to Galilee, his home region. Mm-hmm. And now we're going even more locally right back to Nazareth where he grew up, right? Uh, and so Jesus' hometown, Jesus' home synagogue where he's been for 30 years, you know? And actually this is more his location than down in Jerusalem or at the Jordan River with John or like across the Sea of Galilee. Like this is where uh, his home is. Uh, this is where this is the place he goes where everybody knows his name. You <laughs> You're know? getting into my point, David. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one other thing to say about this, just in terms of context, is that Jesus is reading, as it says in the um, in here, that it's from the, the book of the prophet Isaiah. And more specifically, this is from Isaiah chapter 61, uh, verses 1 to 3. And interestingly, Jesus doesn't, finish the whole last verse and actually there are some some differences if you like go in your bible and read this and then flip back to isaiah 61 there's some translation differences some word differences some lines missing so that's just something to pay attention to you know jesus is reading from this uh scroll and it's it's different than the words we're seeing and also he doesn't complete it because uh the to proclaim the year of the lord's favor is just the first half of the last verse and then it says and the day of vengeance for our god and so like Richard Rohr, one thing that Richard Rohr talks about, who you could check out if you'd like, uh, Center for Action and Contemplation, he talks always talks about this as like an example of how Jesus interprets scripture, that like Jesus emphasizes what he knows to be important and then kind of leaves off the things that emphasize more of like God's wrath and judgment, mm-hmm. interestingly. So, um, you know. Some interpretation there. It's interesting to think about uh, Jesus interpreting scripture. It's interesting to think about Jesus re- Jesus's relationship with with scripture, you know, and because it's the whole all the gospels are just like so infused with the Hebrew scriptures, right. you know, because everybody's Jewish. Yes, <laughs> that's their that's their kind of their the foundation of their worldview. So um, that's where we are, uh, the end of uh, Luke chapter four, and Charlotte has the first point. Yes, and mine actually goes to a little bit to what David was talking about in the context. In fact, maybe it launches from that. But what I was thinking about as I read this scripture for this week was the importance of where this happens. Because as David mentioned, Jesus returns to Galilee, then he goes to Nazareth, which is where he has grown up. And we know this through many different scriptures that we've heard thus far, because it talks about how he and his family went to the synagogue every year, as was their custom. So you know that they're regular attenders, right? Like in church speak, they're not Christmas and Easter. They go all the time. They're there for the full lectionary, <laughs> everything that's happening. They're, they're participants. And so I was thinking about this, and I flashed back to our fabulous guest, um, Rachel Embossing, who was with us not that long ago, and a conversation we had at the beginning of that podcast about what it's like to serve in the congregation where you grew up, the people that have known you your whole life, and making that transition to an adult ministry 
um, from what it ever looked like when you were a child, whether that was, you know, causing trouble in a pew or acolyting or sneaking out early to get the first donut, whatever that is that holds true for us as Christians translating um, in our personal relationships from our childhood ministries into an adult ministry role. What must that have been like for Jesus, right? Because Jesus, fully God and fully human, grew up where he grew up and was in the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He goes to read and they give him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And I know, David, you're going to talk about the importance of, you know, what he chose and, and how he said it. But all of this, what keeps coming up for me in it was that it had to start here because it's the hardest place. It's so much easier to begin something new in your life, a ministry, a role, a program, any of those things, in a place where someone doesn't know you. They don't have any preconceived ideas as to who you are. They don't carry the history of everything that you've ever said or done, good, bad, or otherwise. Um, And that beginning something new or beginning an active process is easier to do that way and vastly harder to do in the place where everybody knows you best. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, it's just how I feel about it as I read all of this, is that Jesus had to do it here. It, It had to be that the hardest place, the breaking of the preconceived notions that were going to happen again and again throughout all of his ministry and all of his life had to believe, had to begin where the first preconceived notions were. And I love that Jesus, like, I think it speaks to his spiritual wisdom, like what he knows about human growth and transformation. That for, his, for a ministry in which, he's going, in which he's going to challenge people's preconceptions, not just about him, but about his role, about God, about their relationship to one another, that he knows that, like, in order for people to, to be, like, shaken out of that, common way of thinking of that rut almost like he has to start his ministry in this hardest of places, you know, to break out of a mold Mm -hmm. um, in the place where everyone has known him for 30 years, you know, and then he's trying to like claim a different, a new way of being. And, and so his ability to do that in that place, starting there, you know, is kind of like builds the DNA for him to be able to invite other people to do it. And that, that kind of goes into my point because I'm thinking about Isaiah. I'm thinking about like what Jesus chooses from Isaiah. And like if, if, you, go, if you go back and read, Jesus has an affinity for the book of Isaiah. Mm-hmm. Like he talks about it all the time. He quotes it a bunch. The gospel writers quote it a lot when they are quoting things that Jesus, like when Matthew's saying he like fulfills this thing and that thing and the other thing. Just like Isaiah plays such a prominent role in Jesus's ministry. And there's a lot of books in Hebrew scriptures, you know, like Isaiah is not the only one, but Jesus just loves that book. And if you go back and read the book of, of Isaiah, even just the very first chapter, like you, you, you feel like that same kind of, you get that same sense that of, you get the sense of Jesus's ministry almost from what Isaiah is calling Israel to Jesus is calling Israel to the same thing. And I think Jesus loves it because he knows that what Isaiah is saying is the same thing that he really wants to say, which is that like, if just the, like just taking the first chapter of Isaiah, Isaiah is like, 
talking from God's perspective, God is saying, like, listen, Jerusalem, I'm not interested in your burnt offerings and your sacrifices anymore. I'm not interested in what you, what you like, slaughter for the temple worship. What I want is you to treat one another better. Right, <laughs> you know? right. Like, that is how you get into right relationship with me, is being good to one another, taking care of one another. And Jesus, I think, says this, the same thing. Because from his perspective, I think it's it's all kind of gone back to that, that like ritual action is the thing that puts us in right relationship with God. And from Jesus's perspective, our relationships to one another are what put us in right relationship with God, you know. And so Jesus is like, yes, he's handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And then he very, he's, it's interesting to me that he's handed the scroll as like, hey, this is what we're reading from today. And then he chooses what he reads, and he reads this. And and I think he reads this because it's so, it like encapsulates for him the things he wants people to do in order to be in right relationship with God and with one another, which mm-hmm. to him are, I think are the one and the same thing. And not only that, but I love the idea that he, he ends it by saying, today this scripture has been yes. fulfilled in your hearing. And I think like when I hear that, I, I think too often I read it and I think, oh, that means that the captives have been released and the blind have had their sight recovered and all the oppressed have gone free. But that's not really, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying has been fulfilled that is that he has been sent and anointed mm-hmm. to do those things. Mm-hmm. And so I love the idea that, that like to Jesus fulfilling Fulfilling the thing is to is to like be on the road to doing it, to be like doing the work in the world for it to be done. Not that it's just like snap your fingers and it's done, which is I think kind of the same feeling I get from the idea of like Isaiah saying, you think that you can just have this sacrifice and it's snap your fingers and it's done. But no, we're talking about ongoing work, like lifelong work of being in relationship with God and with one another and constantly growing in the ways that we are taking care of one another and that's what's really going to rebuild the world because from isaiah's perspective isaiah is writing in the time of the exile when everything is falling apart you know when when the like these like global superpowers have like taken over the land of israel and the people are in babylon and they're like making their way back and they're trying to figure out how are they going to rebuild their their life when everything has been destroyed and Jesus is not in that different a place. I mean, he's like they're in Jerusalem and they're in Judea, but they're they're oppressed. You know, they've been they're occupied. Like their way of life uh, is in a lot of ways in this kind of constant sh- state of shifting. And so they're just like trying to figure out a way forward. And to both of them, to Isaiah and to Jesus, the way forward is these is like the lifelong work of transformation Mm -hmm. you know the lifelong work of it's not like we're going to build this rebuild this building and everything's going to be better it's like when we re the thing we need to rebuild is our relationships to one another and that's what makes the world inhabitable again right you know and so i love the idea that like from jesus's perspective then looking through looking like through the lens of this into the rest of the gospel the way that Jesus fulfills this is to invite other people into that work of fulfilling it. You know, like Jesus also blows up the mold. If we're talking about like the molds that he's breaking down of the Messiah by being like, again, this is not, if this person comes, they're going to figure it all out. 
Jesus is like, yes, I'm the anointed one. And that means that what I do as the anointed one, I'm anointing you to go do it too. So like what Jesus does is not do the work for everyone, but works with everyone and empowers everyone Mm -hmm. to do the work of fulfilling it. Because this is a, and that means that we, that this is still being fulfilled. Yeah. Right. So we are now in this fulfilling process and we have to say, how am I bringing the good news that is for the poor, the captive, the oppressed? How am I captive and how am I blind? And also, who are the people that are actually like poor and captive mm-hmm. and blind and oppressed? And so it's like, how are we working to fulfill this with Jesus rather than saying someday Jesus is going to fulfill yeah, it? Yeah, fix it all. So Yeah. Well, and I think that that actually ties to my first point right is that it was the paramount part of this is that it starts in this place and that he fully identified exactly what was happening it's both and it's the Mm. way that they work together Mm -hmm. yeah and he knows that like for people to really if like people can change the way they see him after Mm -hmm. being with him for 30 years other people that he's going to meet later can change the way they've been doing things too. Yeah. You know? And so it all kind of ties together so that our inner work reflects our outer work in the world and vice versa, you know? And so when we can deal with our captive parts and our poor parts and our blind parts, we can also do the work out in the world of being with the captive and freeing the captive and the oppressed and things like that. So, uh, those are our two points. Yay. Pretty good. Blew through those. Um, point number one was Charlotte's and about Jesus being in this hometown, you know, where everybody knows who he is and how hard it is to claim that new identity in the midst of those, that kind of relationship with your context, with your family, with your people, with the people that have known you forever. And that went into my point, which is the idea that like when Jesus needed to do that in order mm-hmm. to be able to push people beyond their, the way they've always done it, you know, that, uh, he wants uh, people to take part in this work of fulfilling what he has been anointed to do and anointing others and calling on us to not believe that there's a quick fix, but knowing that we're in this lifelong journey of fulfilling uh, the good news of um, liber- liberation and healing and freedom. So having heard those two points, we'd love to hear what your thor- third point would be. You can uh, also send us any questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion or reflection, any where you saw God this past week Mm -hmm. stories. We'd love to hear from you as you uh, use those resources uh, for this upcoming week that will all be about this gospel. You can find all of those on myfaithtogo.org. You can also contact us through that website. Uh, There's a chat function there on the bottom right-hand corner when you're on it. You can email us, faithtogo at edsd.org. Uh, you can follow us, tag us, uh, or direct message us on Instagram at faith to go And you can also call us and leave a voicemail, 562-384-7638. That's 562-FTG-POD8. And all of those contact, uh, those ways of getting in t- contact with us are listed in the description for this podcast. So that's it. That's it. We did it. Let us know. We want to hear from you. Yes. You and know? next week we're back with a guest, right? Yeah. The Reverend Hannah Wilder back next week. I'm excited. So exciting. Uh, We've got a couple more guests lined up in the future, so stay tuned. We're going to be hearing from people from all around the Diocese of uh, San Diego. 
And that's all for today for this uh, week leading up to uh, Sunday, January 23rd. We'll be back next week with the sun, uh, the gospel for uh, the Sunday leading up to January 30th uh, for the fourth Sunday after Epiphany. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, goodbye everybody. everybody.